Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic episode 184. Today we've got the whole posse in effect and we're talking event management plugins. Before we get into today's main topic, I want to give thanks to our sponsor, Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has been known for years as a managed hosting company with tons of options, recently they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner that you've been looking for. Now, if you've got one of these mission critical sites, one thing that you need to know is every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into your management portal. This allows you to update several sites with a single touch. Now, if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. So visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use that code WPTONIC33. With that, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves, and we're going to start with Kim. Hi, I'm Kim Schibler. I teach people to build WordPress websites and online learning platforms, and you can find me at, at Kim Schivler on Twitter, although I'm not very active these days, um, or on my website, whitegloveWebTraining.com. Excellent. And then we have Lee. Hello, I'm Lee. I run Angled Crown, an agency. Every time I say Angled Crown, I get a little grin from Jonathan. I just see it. I'm from Angled Crown, and we work with design agencies all around the world, um, transforming their beautiful designs into rocking and rolling WordPress themes. And I also host the WP Innovator podcast, and they allow me on here for some reason, which is a real honor. So thank you. We love to have you too, um, and and we have something for you to plug like later too. But right now, let's go to Sally. Hey there, my name is Sally Getch. I am the uh, owner and operator, and you know, chief bottle washer at WPFangirl.com. and uh, I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Excellent, and then my co-host Jonathan. Oh, thanks, John. Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance support company that specializes only in WordPress for your business, WooCommerce, or any site that is really important to you. Um, we're your trusted partner, aren't we, John? We are definitely trusted, and I am John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. I provide custom WordPress development and SEO for small and medium enterprise businesses and e-commerce shops so they can focus on their business. Now, before we get into today's main topic, we have a trio of news stories. And the first one circulating around the world of WordPress is from the Advanced WordPress Facebook group, which is rather prominent, rather large. Um, the decision that they made recently to curb low-quality content by moving to admin-approved posts only. Uh, 
the thoughts on this, Kim, do you, do you hang out in the advanced WordPress uh, group very much? And, and what are your thoughts on moving to uh, admin-only posts? It, it, to me, it doesn't affect me much because I actually don't really hang out in any of the Facebook groups. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook groups, just my thing. So it's not going to affect me. I don't know what they, I did read the comments because it was, became a heated discussion as frequently happens on WP Tavern when they report something. Um, I, you know, I couldn't tell, is it, is it really, we're going to set this up and it's just advanced and we've set it up that this means advanced. And then people are asking, you know, like how to change reading settings or something, then I get it. I don't, I don't know what the issue actually was, but I do think if you've set up as a group that this is the level of question and support we're going to offer. And other than that, you need to go to a more basic group because there's plenty of those on Facebook too. Then, you know, it's their party. No, and I kind of think that's true. I mean, when it's a Facebook group, you kind of have to go by the uh, rules of the group. Uh, Lee, do you use the AWP uh, group very much? And uh, what are your thoughts on this? I am a member and um, I don't think I've ever contributed any sort of content because um, just by the very phrase advanced WordPress group just kind of makes you feel like that if you haven't got something uber super advanced to say, you might as well not say it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have any sort of connection with the group. I don't feel any love towards it nor any malice. I don't get tons of spam messages, etc. I'm in there. I answer the odd question. I, re I definitely don't ask a question. But I think when a group's that big, um, I'm not even sure what sort of value you can get out of it. You know, I'm used to being a part of groups that are, you know, at maximum about three to 400 people in size. My current own group is like 500 people, and I noticed that there's only really um, probably around 40 to 50 people that actually regularly have a conversation in there. And that's really manageable, and those 40 or 50 people get loads of value out of it, especially it being kind of like a free-for-all. Um, I'm not a fan of someone deciding what um, is visible to other people. I, I, I don't know. I kind of goes against my libertarian uh, political views, I guess. You know, I, I don't like the idea of censorship. People will self-center. They'll either ignore it, they'll tell the person to naff off, um, or whatever, won't they? You know, because people are rude on the internet. <laughs> so I'm not really sure that we need an admin. I mean, I've had to block people from my own group as well um, who keep spamming. But, you know, you, you give them a chance. If they spam, you get rid of them. Job done. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the idea. But then I've never had to manage a group with 23 or 28,000 people inside of it. And I'm not, I'm not even sure what sort of value people can get from a group that that's, that's that big. But then maybe I should contribute more. No, and, and I think that I might be a member of that group as well. But honestly, I don't think that I've ever contributed. And again, part of it is, is just a very large group. I don't really hang out a lot on Facebook. So, and again, I, I, I also me, I've never uh, run a group that large. So I really don't know what goes into it. I can see maybe perhaps why they would be stressed out about low quality, but I, I'm digging a lot on what you're saying that, you know, just moderating everything leads to a lot of not discussion it's the, the antithesis of discussion, and I, I think there's a lot to be gained from that. But again, their group, their rules, and, and I'm sure there's a reason. Sally, what are your thoughts on this? Do you use the AWP group at all? or? I don't use Facebook. 
there you go. I, I mean, my, my feeling is that it's up to the, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, it, it, certain people. Yeah, I know. Yes, yes. It, it, I'm also the last remaining owner of a dumb phone on the planet. Um, <clears throat> but I respect uh, you and your there, decisions. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, when you start a group of any kind, uh, it, it's you are the one who makes the rules that that guide it. It's not like oh, this was an official uh, project of of the WordPress Foundation, and we need to you know uh, abide by the the same rules of of inclusiveness that that we've put up for you know word camps and and meetups and things. Although you know if they had set it up that way, there are guidelines for the way people are supposed to behave in meetups, and and if members are violating them, you know you're supposed to politely explain to them that you know <clears throat> this is not acceptable and and if they get you know belligerent and obnoxious you are allowed to say no no you can go away now uh, so you know i don't think it's so different from like moderating blog comments right is is this like sensible discussion is it spam is it personal attacks is it you know there are some things that that even if you want a very open discussion you are going to moderate out of your comments and uh, you know if they set the group up for you know non-beginner uh, discussions then they have a right to say you know we're not going to uh, you know, spend our time here, you know, going over for the 30th time, you know, how to install a plugin. Yeah, I, I you know, in, in reading the comments on this is, is there is kind of like a lot of different sides emerging. And again, uh, the impact that it'll have, you know, not sure. Um, you know, it just seems like it, it's a prominent place where people can find help and, and definitely this will have some effect. And we'll see, uh, you know, how it turns out. Jonathan, your yes. thoughts on this? Have you uh, been a participant in the uh, AWP group? Yeah, on and off. Yeah, kind of as, you know, when I've got a spare little bit of time, I tend to go on there and answer some questions. Um, I think, like what Lee said, I think one of the problems is just the size. When you get to, I think, I, I did notice, and it might be just me, I did notice that they seem to be a lot more promotional kind of content being pushed on it recently. And I think when you got such a large group, I know they've got a very active admin group and I know a few of the people on there and they're all great guys and ladies. Um, um, but I think it becomes a bit unreally when you've got about 20,000 contributors um, and it just seemed to be increasingly being spammed to uh, to a certain level, if you understand, John. Yeah, I mean, absolutely I do. I mean, it's kind of the same thing in, in LinkedIn groups. It can become spammy really quick. And and I do understand, like, why they're, they're trying to kind of keep the low-quality content out and reduce the noise. Um, it's finding the balance, you know, so, so hopefully they'll be able to do that and, and find a balance that works for both the, you know, people seeking help and the people trying to give help. Um, moving on, the second news story in the world of WordPress uh, comes from WP Tavern, where uh, they found that the WordPress editor experience surveys shows 
75% of the respondents don't use the distraction-free writing mode. Perhaps they don't even know it's there. Uh, it is very timely considering that this year they're going to be spending a lot of time focusing on the design of the, you know, the customizer, the editor, and the general UX of uh, the WordPress editor experience. Kim, thoughts on this article? I don't think it was surprising, at least not to me, and particularly where, you know, looking at the difference in the developed community versus the others didn't surprise me much. I mean, I don't, I don't actually do my writing in WordPress. I tend to write in Text Wrangler, my text editor, and do it that way because I just, if I have a group in the internet or whatever, it doesn't affect me. And I tend to, particularly if I'm doing a lot of heavy content writing, it's better for me to shut my internet down and just focus on one application because then I don't get those little zings um, pulling me off into Google and other places. So for me, it didn't affect, but other than that, it wasn't a huge surprise. Also looking at, for example, the way my students work with in the editor and they tend to use the visual editor, they're not techie people, don't do any HTML coding, but they still don't usually do the distraction free. They're usually just in the main visual editor. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I don't think that I've ever seen a site in the wild like actually using it. I, I think on the uh, editing the WP Tonic site, I think is the first time they actually saw it like being used in the wild, uh, the distraction free mode. Uh, Lee, is this, um, you know, it kind of speaks to a lot of things. There's a lot of like things that are in the WordPress editing, um, but maybe people don't realize that they're even features. I mean, but this has been here since 2014. Uh, what What is this a sign of? Well, um, let's all be honest. It's actually called the distracting writing mode, because if you are actually to try and use it, and you move your mouse in the wrong direction, suddenly all sorts of stuff starts appearing and moving around. It's, it's just a pain in the backside. So um, I tried to use it back in 2014, and now and again, you know, I'll just go, Ooh, I really want a distraction-free writing mode, and I try it, and it's still no better. Um, uh, so again, like Kim, I tend to write, um, well, I, I use write for a Mac. That's a really inspired title. Um, but it does a full-screen mode, and I can also... Uh, I've got this Pomodoro software as well that disables the internet and everything and notifications for 25 minutes and I'll just like do hardcore writing for 25 minutes then have a Facebook break because you know 25 minutes then no Facebook I think I need to talk to Sally um, so yeah so it's, 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 it really is um, it really is a pain um, but but also there's all sorts of other stuff going on in Facebook that's useful to me as well so I don't want to hide it so if I am writing in uh, sorry, in WordPress, I'm saying Facebook now, um, then I want to see what Yoast has got to suggest to me about internal links because I've got the professional version of Yoast. And as I write, it'll pop up so on the right-hand side. It'll give me suggestions on other articles I could be interlinking with, etc. So really, I'm not really sure it's a necessary feature. But I mean, I suppose there is 17% of the world that would be really upset if we took that out as well. So, Although it could become a plug-in, couldn't it, really, realistically? Yeah, realistically, uh, this would probably be better. It would probably be better served as as a plugin, and and uh, you know perhaps someday uh, we'll be taking some of these things out of core and putting them in plugins. Uh, Sally, thoughts on this? Very surprising at all? 
wasn't to me. Uh, the results were not terribly surprising uh, to me. I, I was pleased to see they got a, a larger number of responses to their survey than on the uh, the previous one, because that's you know it, it's not quite you know randomly sampled enough to to be representative of like all WordPress users, but it's enough to be you know reasonably representative of the kinds of people that they could reach easily with this survey, which is you know. Uh, developers and and uh, power users and you know in some cases you know I have clients who want you know somebody else to be doing their content entry they'll write it in whatever and have somebody else post it they really you know don't want to touch their their sites very much um, yeah I never got this whole distraction free I mean you know there there was something going around about these sort of like Zen writing environments where you just kind of have a blank page looking at you and and you know for for offline as, as well as online stuff and you know okay look it's easier for me to actually have you know toolbars visible and accessible in, 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 when when I need them but the other thing is like distractions are like the toolbars at the top of the, the page or the meta boxes in the WordPress editor. Those are not the distractions I have to worry about, right? If I could press a button in there and it would stop my phone from ringing, stop my husband from walking into my office, you know, stop the cats from climbing over my head, that would be distraction free. I, I was going to comment about the cats, but I, I was, I was holding yeah, back. I'm glad yeah. you brought them in. Oh, I know. The cue, the, cue the Velcro kitty. I, there's a lot of like what you're saying is true and, and, and a lot of what, what, you know, Kim and Lee were saying too, you know, when you use the distraction free, there's kind of like stuff like coming in and out like this. It's, it's very strange. Uh, to be honest, I think a lot of why this feature got implemented is they were trying to copy medium. I mean, that's my gut level reaction. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I was amazed at the level of usage we got through. <laughs> I do use it occasionally on um occasionally by accident or there are some circumstances where I do find it. I'm trying to work out I can't think why they would be. Sorry. Um but I tend to use Google Docs because um I'm a, I I need Grammarly a lot to help me out um um with my with my grammar um so i tend to use google docs and then transfer it into um into wordpress um i think you're right i think lee and yourself and the other commentators um it's probably better as a plugin i i think for a certain core it, it must be really useful i don't think it should have ever um should have been in core like that it always seemed a set of features that were perfect for a high quality plugin john yeah i i think you know maybe in the next couple of years i'm and like i said i'm not part of the core development team or anything close to that but it might be something to just consider you know maybe taking some of these things out of core and rolling them into plugins instead and and just making it optional for people because I mean uh, just food for thought. Um, last news story was also from the tavern. Um, recommended reading. Guess what? It was resilient web design by Jeremy Keith, which I will tell you this made me very very happy. We had Jeremy Keith on. Um, I can't remember the exact episode. It was a couple months ago. Yeah. But for me, it was like this was like honestly, if you had told me five years ago, like hey. In five years, 
John, you're going to be hosting a podcast and talking to Jeremy Keith. I would have been like no effing way. So I, I'm very, very glad that, that you know, in, it, for whatever reason, this is getting out to, um, you know, people in WordPress because I think it's definitely, you know, one of those voices that, that deserves more exposure to people inside of WordPress because I, like it or not, I think we tend to just kind of listen to people within the WordPress ecosystem and not so much in the greater, wider world of the web. Uh, Kim, uh, have you uh, perused this book? And, and if so, what are your thoughts? I just started it this morning. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah. You I, just got, I got back from New York late, uh, last night, so I'm a little catching up this morning. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I know who he is. I love what he has to say. I love the, um, you know, being that I started back in 95. I love getting, like you said, to, to see that um, another perspective that, yes, there, there was an internet before WordPress, everybody, and uh, lots of stuff going on. So I just started it this morning. Enjoyable read, like everything else I've ever read from him. And I'm sure I'll finish it uh, this weekend. Excellent. Lee, thoughts? Have you, have you read uh, Resilient Web Design or... I'd never heard of him until uh, I read this article. I'd never heard shocked? of the book. I uh, know it's shocking, isn't it? So uh, I, I am learned now. I, 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 I've heard of someone I need to follow. I checked out his website thinking, wow, that looks like he's not changed it in a few years. So uh, No, not I, really. It's a journal. Uh, yeah, no, I, I went and had a look at the source to see if it was WordPress. It wasn't. I was like, what? <laughs> no, these are the sorts of stupid things I do. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the book because uh, if you guys recommend it, I think it's worth me checking it out. Okay, very excellent. Uh, also, Google around the web for some of his uh, a list apart um, or an event apart uh, presentations. Well worth the time, Sally. Thoughts on this? I know that you were pimping this hard, so that's right. I discovered it a, a, a few weeks ago now um, on one of the uh, web design. Uh, mailing list that I follow that's like, you know, not WordPress, astonishing, but there are things you can learn. And uh, I got the audio version and I listened to it in my uh, car and it was like, you know, wow. I mean, there were things I like never understood about the foundation of the web and I was there, you know, I, I was, I was on the web in, you know, 1993, 94. There wasn't a lot there yet, but just kind of that, that, sort of understanding the principles of it and that, you know, back in the olden days, um, you know, we actually essentially had responsive websites because there was nothing in HTML that was about, that was, was really about, you know, display and, and positioning. And, and then, you know, for so long, there has just been sort of kludge after kludge after kludge to attempt to, uh, to get things to, to look the way we wanted them because, you know, we wanted it to look like print, basically. And, uh, you know, and I remember that, like, first you had frames. And then, no, you shouldn't use frames, you should use tables. And then, well, no, you shouldn't use tables, you should, you know, and it's been kind of going on and on. And I'm, I'm, I'm working up to, to doing a little presentation about a CSS grid, which I know you two had uh, uh, Rachel Andrew on uh, to talk about. And, you know, that, that just, um, you know, that there are principles that have, that, that continue to operate that supersede all of these implementations. And I, I think anybody who does development uh, ought to 
you know, ought to read it or, or listen to it and just get that perspective. No, definitely. And I love what you said too. Um, you know, Rachel Andrew and Jen Simmons as well. Uh, there's a, a couple of people who have really kind of been spending the last couple of years really, you know, showing what CSS grid can do. And, you know, in web development, the one constant is change. If in, in what you said too, you know, the web is built to be responsive by default. Just for a while there, we had a collective hallucination that, that fixed width. Uh, everybody had the same browser size and, and, you know, everybody's browser was 960 pixels wide. And, and we've come out of that hallucination now, uh, hopefully better and wiser. Jonathan, any thoughts on the, any yeah, thoughts it, on the, it, picking this up? Well, it's just a great teacher, Jeremy. You know, I think the first book, I have a bought about web development was by Andy Budd and Jeremy Keefe. And I think it was also contributed by Richard Ratter, all part of the clear left team in Brighton. And Jeremy, um, just a fantastic um, developer teacher. I think he was one of the first voices that really speculated that JavaScript had a second coming to come. You know, um, I remember he was he, when I was still living in England. <clears throat> he wrote a few bits that um, that JavaScript was going to become important again, and he took a lot of flack for that um, because a lot of people still you know it was never going to come. I mean, it's unusable, but he, um, but he kind of foresaw that. So um, he's been a great contributor to the online community hasn't he john yeah most definitely we can there, there's a lot to learn there's a lot of people out there to learn from um you know maybe not just within wordpress or even drupal or joomla or you know the, there's a lot of web communities out there and and it's good to kind of explore and and just find uh different people to learn from and you might be amazed at, at the things you might pick up so uh, with that, we're going to head to our break, and then we come back, we're going to be talking our main topic, which is event management plugins for WordPress. See you after the commercial. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. And we're coming back from the break, and we're talking with our esteemed panel of WordPress experts about event management plugins. And... Uh, I guess we'll start with with the kind of the one I think that most of us have a touch point with, and that is the uh, events calendar. Um, Kim, uh, any experience with this? And minimal. Um, I was I had in the other side of the comments. I haven't actually used a, an event calendar on my site since I don't know right around WordPress three point nine. So it's been a while, uh, but I did just recently have to go through this for one of my support clients, and the challenge was she was using the 
um, events calendar. She loved it. She started with a free version. It was easy to use. When she bought the pro version, though, because she does a lot of repeating events, the recurring events, I actually got called in by her SEO expert because the way it does the recurring events, it duplicate content, duplicates the content for all the meta SEO data. Yeah, and, th and that's, kind of a, that's kind of something that is, is a bit of a bug. Um, I'm going to jump the line here. Sally, you know, I know that you've written like quite a few tutorials like for the events calendar and you have a little bit of notoriety uh, with that. What is your experience with this particular plugin, Strengths and Weaknesses? Uh, I hadn't known that, uh, what Kim just said about the recurring events. Um, yeah, I kind of fell into, uh, it, you know, developing some expertise with this because we chose to use it uh, for a, a client that had a lot of events and then we needed specialized display. And then so I found myself, you know, it's sort of like, well, when, whenever I need to remember what, how I did something, I write a tutorial. Uh, so they're, they're really, you know, memory aids for me as, as much as anything else. But then we had um, Modern Tribe sponsor one of our, our meetups. And so they shared links to my tutorials in their forums and so I get a ton of people coming in still commenting on those those posts I've I've had to you know make some updates I eventually realized I needed to put my code on um, <clears throat> github uh, because people would be emailing me asking me for the for the files and and I have a, a job I'm probably gonna be working on soon where someone needs some customization and the interesting part there is the sites in French and until I know it's safe to up, upgrade it, the dev site from whatever fairly early version it was I'm gonna have to deal with the French admin that the most recent uh, version of WordPress one of the things you can do is switch your your admin language in your own user profile um, so you know it's there are a lot of good things about it it has some trickiness about uh, styling. It has, you know, one thing that's problematic for some people is there's the the pricing structure. As you, you know, there isn't like an affordable dev license that gives you everything. It's, you know, very expensive. And so it's been something where I've had just had clients buy individual licenses for, for the pro version when they needed it or for whatever other things. Um, the One of the um, plus sides is, uh, they have a program for nonprofits where you can get a free uh, software and updates. You don't get free support, but you get free software and updates. So, for instance, if you have a meetup, you can apply to them and get a free copy of their event aggregator, which I have just gone through the process of for our meetup. I haven't, I need to do a bunch of stuff to the meetup website, so I haven't used it yet, but that will pull in events from Facebook from meetup.com, from a, from a couple of other places, and, you know, it, integrate them and post them as, as events. So it does a whole lot, um, and I like it a lot, and I can't specialize in, in a bunch of different plugins, so I've, yeah, I've sort of defaulted into being a, a go-to person for this and, and using it in uh, a number of different places. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the best plugin for, for everything, but I, uh, I do definitely recommend it and and definitely like you I kind of default to using this one in in a lot of cases because and especially if if there's something um, now mind you there is like a free version of this but but I usually have people pick up the pro version 
because in the pro version there are uh, you can have reoccurring events you can have a weekly view map view um, location search uh, and venue view which is which is pretty useful um, launched a site for uh, a public library uh, last year and and this is what we used uh, for sure Lee I know that you have a uh, business where you do just uh, things for event planning. Um, so, you know, thoughts on this or are, are there other plugins that you recommend as well for event management? Sure. Uh, it's just as it's getting darker here, I'm wondering if my camera looks more and more like I'm about to go out with a big... You look like you're the cover of a Queen album. <laughs> it's getting darker <laughs> outside. Bravo, and <laughs> it's getting darker around me. It's just my head floating. I've got a black t-shirt on as well. <laughs> it's just black head floating on the screen. Hello. Um, I, I've, I've used the plugin. Um, I found it had too many features for what any client I've ever had has needed. Um, I tend to actually use, for anyone who's got events, upcoming events, etc. I tend to just use a WordPress post type um, as I can create a real simple WordPress loop that says only show events that are upcoming based on the post meta. So if you've got a, like a, the date of this event is this, then you can essentially do a meta compare on that um, that date and, and in the loop, it will not show that event if it is in the past. Uh, so we'll just do that because people are quite happy with more of an agenda style list of events coming up with whom I work with, you know, so they're not interested in a calendar view. They don't need to see things on multiple, you know, on maps, etc. So I've tended to avoid using it uh, in most circumstances and just tends to use what's available from WordPress out of the box. I mean, you can even use the calendar widget um, you know, that, come, that came with WordPress back in the day. Uh, it's been in there for years, hasn't it? And you can actually attach that to a post type so that someone in theory can, you can highlight dates that actually have um, event posts in them and then people can click on those and filter the, the event archive as well. So I've tended to just do that rather than use a plugin. Um, if I want to do payments and stuff like that, again, I'll use a Gravity Forms or a, whichever form builder the client's using at the time. Um, because most of them have got payment integrations. So unfortunately, I've, I can't really speak towards that particular event plugin. I think I've used it once for one client because it was just a quick fix. Um, but yeah, never really um, put too much time in it. I, I guess I tend to avoid plugins where I know there are tons of features because I feel like that's just going to either confuse me and there's a big learning curve for me. And if that's the case, it's probably going to confuse the client as well unless they need absolutely everything in that. No, that makes a lot of sense, and that's a very interesting approach. Um, before we start kind of going down a list of um, event management plugins that we've got building up in uh, the chat room here, uh, I just want to ask Jonathan, like, what is, our, is your experience with event management plugins? Any default ones that you like as a go-to? Well, it's kind of the, you know, the main one is the one that we've been talking about because also I am a bit of a fanboy of Shane Pierman. He's been, he's been on the show. Um, he's one, he's just a great guy and uh, we're, we're going to have to have him back on the show, John, aren't we? I'm going to have to touch base with Shane, but he's a busy guy. Um, but his team is strong, but I agree with Lee. Um, there's a couple of websites that we support. Both of them are non-profit organization and they do use a lot of the features of the event calendar for Modern Tribe, but it is a bit of a beast. 
um, it's not. It's a bit like gravity. It's not the most easiest thing, also to customize, is it, John? Um, no, not you know. It, it can be, and and in all of these, there is a certain level of setting up the you know date, time, venue, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, but it depends on like how many reoccurring, um, how many venues are you going to reuse? If if you're using a whole bunch of different ones then it's going to take a little bit more time. If you're doing everything in the same location and you're just changing the, the type of event that's happening, then it might take a little bit less time. Um, I'm going to just kind of open this up to uh, the whole floor. I'm just going to like throw out some names of some uh, events plugins here, and then everybody just kind of jump in if you've used this or heard of it or have a comment. Um, first one that, that uh, is in the list at the top of the chat, um, Google Calendar events. Uh, Sally, like any thoughts on this? Anyone else have any thoughts on this one? Um, <clears throat> I've used things uh, on a couple of occasions that just imported people's Google Calendars because that was where they had all their events. It was silly to, to do something that was going to you know, make them uh, duplicate uh, efforts. And... So, yeah, I mean, you know, I love the events calendar by Modern Tribe, but sometimes it's complete overkill for what people need, and I, I don't want to uh, set that up. So I've, I've used a, a couple of plugins that um, uh, just display events from um, <clears throat> from Google Calendar, uh, and a couple of – there was one uh, – that uh, it, it was, it may or may not be the same uh, event list plugin that I put at the the link to in our in our chat. But it, it, but basically, you enter the most basic possible information about the event, uh, and it shows a very simple kind of agenda type list, similar to to what Lee was talking about. I've used uh, Events Manager before, and I didn't like it as well as. Uh, the events calendar, and I've uh, <clears throat> I've I've done the the export and import from one of those to another, um, and uh, you know I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, event organizer, uh, but I have not tested that yet. It's it's one of those yes somewhere in my distant future uh, I might uh, I remember looking at Gig Press a long time ago before Modern Tribe bought it. Um, and that's a, specifically for like musicians to post uh, upcoming uh, gigs, and and so there, you know, and there's different. There's one I'll have to like dig deeply through my notes for. That's for actually when you have an event, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, showing the the schedule for the day versus showing you know when in the month the, the events occur. Uh, Lee just listed Event Espresso here. Yeah. We tried that back in the very early days. We had a we had a meetup about it. Uh, I haven't used it recently. It it was a you know, it's another situation where the the licensing is is not cheap. It's developed a lot of uh, it's developed a lot of features, and I think, you know, I think you can find several things that that have pretty similar features. And eventually, you pretty much have to decide. Uh, you know, you want to be familiar enough with all of them to know. Oh. You know, if we need this, we're probably better off using that plugin versus this one. Um, but you know, I'm not someone who can specialize in everything, so 
it, it's kind of like um, un, until I see a really good reason to move, I'll probably, you know, mainly uh, stick with this or with, you know, something really simple. If you need something really simple, what Lee talks about, you know, creating a, because that's essentially what these plugins do anyway, creating a post type and, and writing a loop that will only display the upcoming ones based on the, on the meta is, is sufficient. But, you know, we didn't necessarily talk at the beginning of this about, you know, what is an events management plugin and why do you need one uh, or when do you need one? And that feature is a, a large part of it. I've, I'm talking to some people about a site that I've sort of been, <clears throat> I, I, I've been with them since 2011, first moving from HTML to WordPress, then, you know, creating the responsive version of the site, then, you know, uh, and uh, what they've been doing is just using the blog to announce events. Well, the problem is then the expired events still just sit there in with your other blog posts. And there's no easy place to put uh, the special information that you need uh, about an event uh, in there, the, you know, the date, time, location. And, and so you kind of have to either, you know, fumble through that or uh, do it. So, you know, it's it, a large part of it is about what you need. There are several uh, pretty fully featured things and there are several uh, very simple things. If, you know, if you're somebody who's not in a position to write your own code for it the way Lee does, using one of these, you know, show your Google Calendar plugins or one of these really simple, you know, event list plugins uh, might be a, an option for you where you, you don't need a lot of, of information. You don't necessarily need to store it and display it in a bunch of uh, different kinds of, of ways. One of the, um, uh, something you brought up, Sally, there was, um, when do you need an events plugin? And that's a really great question as well, because there are some websites where you could literally use a blog post to say, hey, next week we're all getting together. Uh, fill in this form if you want to be a part of it. That is totally sufficient. Um, now, my other business is called Event Engine. What we do is work with conferences and expos. So the reason why I've pasted Event Espresso and Takira uh, in there is because that is they are both events plugins, but they are events plugins targeted at that sort of demographic where you've got an event organizer who's putting on a massive niche event in a particular industry. For example, Comic-Con could run quite happily on Takira, which means not only do they list the event, they list the speakers, they set up the agenda, they allow people to register for the event, get their barcodes, their tickets. It goes the whole nine yards. And the cool thing about plugins like that, maybe not so much Event Expressor, but definitely Takira, is that it's modular, which is kind of like WooCommerce. You get the basic burger, but then you've got all of these modules. And again, Takira, this is not a plug for Takira necessarily, but I mean, they've got a cool development license as well, which is like a couple of hundred bucks and you can rock and roll as a developer and do what the hell you want with it uh, with some pretty cool documentation as well. So uh, the idea behind that is it's kind of, you, you've got your basic burger, but you could go as far as printing off barcodes and scanning people in uh, into your event uh, as they're coming through the door, etc. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a great point you make, Sally, about when do you even need one? And then if you need one, which one do you need? Because the earlier one we were talking about probably would not be suitable for a conference organizer who has one event per year and needs to showcase a hell of a lot more information in an entire website and take registration. So, um, so yeah, whenever anyone is selecting a plugin, uh, don't just select the pretty logo. Actually ask yourselves, 
and I'm basically mirroring what you said, aren't I, Sally? Ask yourselves, why do I need this? Therefore, what do I need? No, I think that's a great point. And something you said, so to sum up, like something like Takara would be um, not if you have necessarily have reoccurring events that are like one annual event that's very large where you have to sell tickets, you have to show a lot of information. That would it can do both. But yeah, most people use it for the, we are this one event or we're one, or it's the same event X times a year, et cetera. But predominantly, uh, most people will use it for the big ones. What's your opinion on an event expressly? Um, you know, when is that a good choice for people? I don't particularly like it. Just, um, it sounds stupid, but it visually is unappealing. Um, in the back end, it's um, it's harder for people. It's harder for people that I've helped out um, to understand the back end. Um, and to be honest, I don't use Takira myself. I've actually ended up in in our other business. We've actually developed our own for our specific type of clients because uh, they. And we just keep it super simple um, for what they need. Uh, if I was going to choose between the two, Takira, um, I've downloaded, I've played with, I've used with clients. It's really cool. Event Espresso, I just find a bit complicated for people to understand. And just visually in the administration, unless it's changed since I last looked at it, it's super unappealing. And that if something's unappealing, even if it's a powerful product, it can be really off-putting. Um, and you really need user buy-in when people are using it in the back end. We're so used now, aren't we, to seeing really pretty websites and really pretty user interfaces. And sometimes, like that's why I like WordPress. It's a joy to use in the back end when it's done right. So, no, excellent. Um, I, I want to ask the panel too. Uh, I some of the things that I put in this list here, uh, like the 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 gigs manager, the gig press. Um, I have a couple of sites that I manage. One's for just kind of a part-time musician, but one of them's for a, a band from the 60s. You would know them if I, whatever, hummed a tune or whatever. But, the but Beatles? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, but, but definitely, yes. Um, uh, but they, use, they have Gig Manager on their site, and it, that's, that works for their purposes. They do, they do, you know, about 10 gigs a year. Uh, here and there and everywhere, but um, it, it basically like you add in the venues and uh, you can add in the, you know, the website and, and different information about that. And it just kind of, sh you have a widget where you can put it in the sidebar. Uh, definitely that's fine. Um, but gig press is, is actually being maintained. Well, uh, gig manager is not gig presses is actually been taken over by modern tribe. Um, does anybody else here um, have any recommendations for uh, event plugins for, say, like a musician or other performing uh, type of uh, person? Well, my only comment was the couple websites that are really serious that we maintain are utilize Event Expresso. And um, I found it quite good. Uh, obviously, I can't. I haven't used the other product Lee has spoken. So it's. But I would agree with Lee. It's a bit like Modern Tribes product. It's you know there is a bit of a learning curve. It's a bit of an animal. But if you've got a lot of events, the um, one one we support is a mega church, and they use it hard. You know, big way. And the other one is a regional um, quasar state entity that's around 
um, investment in Nevada, you know, industrial investment, creating jobs. So they run a lot of um, events almost every week and every month, So, which are unpaid or paid. So they needed something that had a lot of features and they've been quite happy with it. But I do agree with Lee. It's, um, I think they have improved the back end quite a bit, Lee. But on the other hand, I do agree it's not the most simplest thing to set up or to train somebody to use. And John, I don't have any specifically for musicians, but I will say that on the, the events manager, that is what we ended up moving this client to because you can do individual SEO for recurring events. Well, express. And the, the events manager yeah. would allow that and she, that was her main thing. And then the other thing she really liked was a lot of my clients do both virtual and live events. What I couldn't find easily within the events calendar was a way to just say, this is virtual, it's not live and in the events manager it's one button boom virtual and it's not asking me for venue name city state things like that so those were the two things for her that just made that the better plug-in choice and i think i think the other thing you've got to mention john is that a lot of these plugins um that their competition isn't solely other plugins it's really SaaS services that they're up against especially around ticket price and the commission that's why a lot of organizations look at these um, leading wordpress plugins because some of the SaaS solutions they're fully featured but they really want a fair share of the ticket price have you found that john yeah i think that's true i think eventbrite um, and similar types of products uh, like that where there's services really they sell your tickets for a cut uh, are a big part of that and I think that's something that is right there on the Takara site they said it's your money you don't take a cut keep it you know I, and I think that's like aimed directly at, at things like Eventbrite um, but yeah I, I think that's a big part of it I think a lot of like plugins that are you know WordPress plugins are going to kind of like veer closer to being software as a service like as, as time goes by. Um, Is that, that's one of the nice features with Event Espresso is they've got a lot of integration with like um, third party, um, you know, especially email service integration with MailChimp and the other leaders in that area. And that's always something with the couple, uh, probably Lee knows a lot more about that than I do. Because like I say, we only maintain a couple of sites, but they're big users of that plugin is that they bought some of the um, add-ons because they really have big email lists and it really drives new members and revenue to both um, clients that we're supporting John so that's another thing how many you know can you integrate it with email marketing and other things John um, the, the one thing I was thinking as you were talking there as well Jonathan was um, with regards to payment gateways and stuff you mentioned that some people will take payment um, uh, one of the 
there's two things that people might want to consider, especially if you're a developer listening or you're building websites. Um, first of all is, you know, when you're looking at a plugin like Takira, um, Takira actually has what's called a WooCommerce bridge. So that'll allow you oh. to actually send them off to the cart in WooCommerce oh. and then use the gazillion different payment options that are available for WooCommerce. But then talking about WooCommerce, again, what you could potentially do is uh, create a product for a particular event, use any of the event plugins we've just talked about, um, link in the actual event listing itself, the product link, and then send the person through to buy that ticket. Um, just by using WooCommerce itself, uh, we, you know, we, you can customize a WooCommerce email. They can print off a, a WooCommerce email and wave it at you when they come to your event as well. But the cool thing about that is there are so many different payment gateways nowadays that are supported by um, by that platform. It's it's freaking phenomenal. So yeah, um, just just wanted to throw that in there as well. Yeah, it sounds really fantastic. I'm going to have to go and have a look at it myself. Like I say, the two clients we were, we inherited these setups, so um, and they've been happy, and we've been happy to support them on them. But you know, it really, they've yeah. there is a lot of choice there, isn't there? Yeah, the the uh, event ticketing uh, uh, add-on for uh, the Modern Tribe plugin also does. It does WooCommerce and some other things. And there are also, there's a plugin I've looked at that's actually a free plugin called WooCommerce Registrations, where you, it's just what it does is it helps you with setting up registering for some kind of event as a product. So it doesn't do all the like, you know, calendar display or, or, or whatnot. But if you just want to put something in there as here, I have this, you know, <clears throat> I have this webinar or this, this presentation, you know, here's how you, you, how you sign up and buy tickets. It will do that. Um, a couple of uh, other things, uh, you know, I went through a long period on, on a site of, you know, posting the events as the events, and then after the event was over, using a separate post type to include like the notes and the the, the <clears throat> um, slides and 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 all of that, and the you know transferring the information, and, and finally a little light bulb went on, and now in situations where there's you know, you need extra material for after the event. I just have the post type switcher installed so that you can take your event, convert it to whatever post type you're using for, you know, presentations, and then your fields come up for your presentation and stuff. And then you're not, you know, then, then you really don't have any past events anywhere. You just have upcoming events and, and whatever else. And this is much easier on uh, the client or whoever has to, uh, you know, has to handle this than actually copying and pasting stuff between a, you know, an, an event and a something else. And yes, it's attention deficit kitty. It's attention deficit kitty. For those listening in, there is a cat on Sally's shoulder. Just letting you know. There's always cats laying in this show. <laughs> so what do you think, Jonathan? We read rap. Yeah, I think we covered the landscape. The only thing I would say to folks is it's a bit like membership plugins. You know, we, you know, Lee, myself, you, and the rest of the panel, we've just put things forward that we have some knowledge of. But you're in the great situation is that you've got a lot of choice here, um, which is great. It's a bit like the membership, but a lot of choice also means finding the best. Of these plugins that fit your personal circumstance, 
or situation is going to take a little bit of resource. And I would finally say that um, that a lot of the competition isn't from other um, calendar plugins so much. It's like what I said, John, it comes from ex external SaaS platforms um, in this area. Um, and a, a lot of people say, why don't we just look at this external? And then they look at the the cut they want and it, and it's a bit like the um, hosted membership solutions there's always some feature they want which they can't get with the totally hosted solution John no I think you're right um, definitely I, I say a lot of the competition is is really like the hosted solutions like Eventbrite um, but there's definitely a lot of there's actually a lot more solutions out there for event management than you than you probably realize and hopefully we've just touched on a few um so definitely before we go around the the uh panel and everybody tells us how to find them i want to take just a moment this is uh i'm gonna spot like spotlight another wordpress podcast that just came on my radar just taking a minute uh to kind of give back um, there's a new podcast coming out called Hallway Chats, and this is by Tara Clays. Uh, forgive me if I butchered your name, and uh, Liam Dempsey. And basically, they're they're trying to do something similar, um, like put the spotlight on people who are not necessarily one of the same 25 people that always uh, is on WordPress podcasts. So definitely go to hallwaychats.com. Go check that out if you have somebody that you want to see featured on their show, let them know. And uh, with that public service announcement, I'm going to let everybody go around the room, tell us where to find you. If you have anything that you want to promote, let us know. And we'll start with Kim. Uh, Kim Schibler, you can find me at whitegloveweptraining.com or howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. And yes, at the end of the month, I'm launching the next version of uh, building your first website with WordPress, as well as uh, building your online course. Very nice. Looking forward to it. Lee, anything you want to promote? Where do we find you? Pimp your podcast, by the way. Okay. Uh, well, I am a podcast host of both the WP Innovator podcast, which you can find on WPInnovator.com, but also over on EventEngine.tv. I also run a podcast, which is for events and conference organizers, where we literally talk about WordPress for event organizers. So feel free to go and check that dude out as well. Also, I'm on Twitter and all the other good places, but just head on over to the website. You'll find all that there. Most definitely. I will be looking forward to it. Sally, how do we find you? Anything you want to promote? Uh, you can find me at WPFangirl.com. Uh, the meetup is at EastBayWP.com. We meet on uh, the third Sunday of, of the month, most months. Occasionally, it's a different Sunday um, to avoid conflicts with holidays. And I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you will find me. I'm unique in Google. Excellent. And Jonathan, how do we find you? Anything you want to promote? Oh, it's really easy, folks. Um, you probably get me on Twitter and Facebook. I kind of swap around a little bit. Um, on Twitter, it's at Jonathan Denwood. And I think I'm the only one that's got that tag. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, or you can email me at Jonathan at WP 
tonic.com and I do answer my email after about two or three days. I always check it. And I just would say to folks, um, we always say this, but it really does help the show, um, is go to iTunes, um, leave a review, um, say something about the kind of value you're getting from the show. Me and John put a lot of work every week into this, and hopefully you're enjoying it. By the increasing numbers every month, we must be doing something right, John, mustn't we? We're definitely not doing something wrong, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, you can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore. Uh, something you can go check out is I recently did a podcast interview with my friend Christopher Hawkins over at 100kfreelancing.com. Uh, go find that. I think it's about three episodes back now, but go check that out. Uh, and like Jonathan said, if you're getting value from our podcast, be sure to leave us a review and be sure to check us for our next episode. We're going to be interviewing Zach Rosen from Pantheon. So be sure to check that episode when it drops for the WP tonic posse in effect. We want to say peace out and get your dose. Get your dose. <laughs> get your dose. Nice. Nice. <laughs> It's like a new one every time, isn't it? Nah, we're just <laughs> saying get your dose. <laughs> I love it. You're the man. Right. So I finished my external. I've got the, um, the Zoom recording still going. But I, I think, thanks, panel. It's a, it's, it, there is a load of plugins in this area. I think we only touched a handful. <laughs> but I can't really say much I got to check something really quick, okay? Pardon? Okay, carry on. All right. Um, I, there's, there is a lot more around, isn't there? We only touched like a half a dozen, didn't we, really? Uh, yeah. I, uh, one thing that I've done for the, the meetup we have coming up in a few months is make sure that I've found some people who use other events plugins that can talk to them in more detail and uh, give people a better sense of, of their advantages and, and disadvantages but yeah there's a there's a lot you know there's not really we can never do more than provide some surface impressions but you know what uh, what kim said about the you know the recurring events seo issue is definitely worth paying attention to um, uh, just, i'm just mesmerized by the cat uh, yes she, about it. She, she is kind of uh, distracting that way so, Lee, um, obviously you've gone into this vertical. Um, I don't know how many years you've been um, servicing that vertical. What would you say is the reasons why some of your clients go to you? Is it, um, can they find with you a more flexible, more powerful solution that's linked to WordPress? Is that the main attraction? Uh, well, what we do is, is we've actually been doing it for... Six or seven years now, so it's, right. it's been a long, long-standing thing. And um, the idea is, is we've actually put together a WordPress installation in multi-site, right. which will allow the larger conference organizers to create multiple. They can essentially fire up new conferences whenever they need to. Uh, and obviously, because we started off as an agency for them, we built several. Um, conference websites and expo websites for different companies and we 
started to just grow this code base. So we packaged that up. And we don't really sell the product online as like an, you know, you can go ahead and buy it. We kind of create relationships with these event organizers. Wow. So obviously London's quite a popular place. We've got a lot of clients in London. Um, <laughs> and then we become essentially their agency um, around this one product that they then use. So it's a hosted WordPress solution. Um, again, that's been just developed over the years. Uh, the cool thing about that, though, I guess, as well, is that if somebody just needs to use something that, you know, some, some extra feature, crap, it's WordPress. There's so many features out there. We could just bolt on whatever we need to. Um, so again, you know, so it's this kind of, we're not quite a SaaS. We're, we're like an agency with a SaaS product that will roll out if you're the right fit sort of thing. So, yeah, and I really see a lot of people going down that road, don't you? A lot of um, because I, I was saying this to John is that um, you talk about um, Wix and um, the other, but I also see a major competitor. You see it in a lot of um, different industry verticals. Ask um, SaaS products aimed at particular industry verticals, don't you? Um, mm. And they seem to be the main. Um, competitor to either WordPress, Drupal, or any of these open source CRMs is these um, uh, priority kind of uh, products aimed at particular industries. Would you agree with that, Lee? I'd agree, and I think I think the only the the only way that I've learned to make money as a web developer in any way is to niche like super niche. So we are super niched into conferences and a very certain type of expo, um, you know, in, in that industry. And then obviously, you know, your favorite name, Angle Crown, um, is super niched with just design agencies. And we've got certain products that we use as well for just design agencies as well. Um, you know, and they're used to that um, that relationship that we have with them uh, because if we were trying to be all things to all men it would be impossible um you do tend to find though that these SaaS solutions for specific industries are quite attractive to people initially because they are a low cost price yeah. point for entry yeah. or they're a high price point for en entry because there's not many of them around but regardless SaaS still seems to be quite a limiting factor so that's why we've kind of set ourselves up as an agency strokes our solution so we're kind of bridging that gap we've got a, a product we've made but people have a relationship with, with right it well we and, and it. you don't necessarily have to <clears throat> do to it the things that you would do if you were trying to sell it as a, a standalone exactly solution yeah. it's basically you know everybody kind of come, ends up with tools they use for themselves and so exactly. you've got this tool you've built for yourselves and you know, you don't have to take the extra steps of, of being able to release it in the wild and then support it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, because it it's just comes with the service that clients hire you for. Exactly. It's a great yeah, situation. I think the other thing I'd like to touch base um, before we end, end the show really for the extra content on YouTube is um, I think it was something you said, Sally, about the price of some of these plugins. Now, like a bit like Espresso, um, like I said, we inherited those two clients that use that product and they have their own license. And I just checked and it's around $69. But obviously you've got to pay for some extra, if you want some extra functionality, they have paid bolt-ons. Um, which I think both these clients have. But, um, and it's the, it's the same with Modern Tribe, isn't it? Their pricing structure. But I think you said that a lot of people find that expensive. 
I, I think in some ways that's linked to the kind of, I'm trying to find the right word in here, the kind of impression I get about WordPress in general that, you know, because that's been ongoing conversation for the past few months, the price of themes and plugins, and they, they're really going to have to go up, aren't they, Sally? Right. Well, the, the objections I hear, you know, the, the price point for single licenses for something like uh, Modern Tribe is actually very reasonable. It's, it's, it's you know, not a, a terrible burden on the clients. It's just that it's not a situation where you might feel like, you were better off getting a developer's license because then you get, you know, a hundred sites or an infinite number of sites for a, a single price point and the, you know, the support goes through you, which face it, it might do anyway. Um, <clears throat> where that, you know, they, they never said, you know, it's like a developer license is like 750 bucks a year or, or, or something. It, it, it's for the, you know, for the pro version, it's, it's very expensive. And so there's no incentive for a developer to buy, developer's license uh, and that might be you know deliberate and reasonable on on their part uh, and it's not you know I think we've all read articles saying clients should have their own licenses for things anyway um, so uh, you know but there are developers who are going to opt for the product where they can pay 200 bucks a year to use it everywhere yeah, uh, I, I, my our position on this is when it's a crucial plugin that's fundamental to the functionality of the website, we um, we we don't have a developer license on either of those products that we mostly discussed in this episode, and we would strongly, well, we would insist that the client buy their own license. We do have some. I do have a group of development licenses. Um, that I allow clients to utilize for a few months so they can get a feeling. And then we do tend to insist that um, if they want to continue that, it's a good idea that they buy their own license because um, it, we don't want to entrap them into just using our service. And it just makes things a bit clearer that, that, plug-in products that are really important to their business that they have ownership of them which which i think makes perfect sense there are some cases where you know like a lot of the the add-ons for gravity forms only come with the developer license yeah that's so the is your is your client going to buy the developer yeah. license you know in, yeah. in most cases that that's not what they're they no, wouldn't even think about that because it says for developers well i'm not a developer i'm a you know i'm going to use this on one site so you know i think that's kind of an issue in in how the how the plugin developers set up their licensing well yeah you're, you're totally spot on when i was saying that it was going through my mind gravity form and that is one of the main problems with, with gravity form not the product itself but the way that they developed their cells and they just the pathway they decided to go down because you're totally spot on about that is a is that that particular plugin and the way they set up how to pay it is slightly problematic right and i think i think in a lot of ways it makes more sense to do something more like the way ninja forms went about it where you pay for whatever extensions you're using yeah I agree. and 
<clears throat> you know, each, each client can do that. And, and so, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with things like Event Espresso or, or Modern Tribe that, that structure their pricing in such a way as to really, you know, encourage the client to have their own license, which is, you know, sometimes clients are not very good at keeping track of that stuff. Uh, and, and they may be in, you know, in more risk from not using your license, but uh, at the same time, they are the ones who should own it and, and take responsibility for and it. And obviously, if they're using, you know, uh, a plug for WP Tonic, if they're using a service like WP Tonic or Velvet or WP Site Engine or whatever they, they choose to use, they don't have that problem because we tell them your license is going to run out, so um, you need to renew it. So um, that comes with the territory. But in general, it is a problem, isn't it, Sally? I do agree. So what do you reckon, John? I think um, Lee just disappeared. I think, I think his electricity meter was running out, wasn't it, John? No, nah, he, he had to go. It's like late night there. It's his date night, so we had to let him go. Oh, we had to go. Sorry, sorry I had to cut out for a minute there. Like we have uh, two dogs. One's like a pit bull boxer mix and one's a pit bull. And two females, we keep them separated because they don't get along. And I just uh, heard a commotion. I thought maybe there's a dog fight going on, but uh, everything it was close, but uh, everything was okay. So. Oh, well, you can't do I'm, I'm so tempted to go down some comment, but I have resisted it totally. No, nah, they're, they're good. It's, you know what? They're, they're totally peaceful. It's just that they have personal beef with each other. That's, that's oh. what it is. Oh, there we go. Well, thanks, Sally. Thanks, Kim, for coming on the show. I think it's been a blast. I, I think we provided some value to our listeners. And we'll be back next Friday. I forgot what next Friday's topic will be, John. Do you actually know? Oh, hold on. Let me look it up. Hold on. I think uh, next Friday, it's uh, Crafting Funnels with WordPress, if I believe correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've got some guests, haven't we? We are going to have Heather Steele and Adam Fout from Blue Steel Solutions oh. over there in Denton, Texas. They will be joining us. They're both great. They've been on the show before, folks. They're good, and I'm looking forward to this. This is a, something I've been delving in quite a bit myself, haven't I, John? Most definitely. So um, it should be a great show. And hopefully our reg- some of our regular panel will be able to join us. We'll see you next week, folks, on WP Tony Extra. Bye, all. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.